0: Welcome back to the tomb, everyone. This is the Pharaoh, a.k.a. Ali. And for today's episode, it's called Feast of Thieves. And I have a very important guest with me today. He's a reoccurring guest, but I'll have him go ahead and reintroduce himself.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Derek from Atop Derek Mountain, found on the Twitch channel, Twitter, YouTube, under the name of Top Derek Mountain, where I play games and do geek shit and stuff. I'm a role player, um, and I'm a Native American, Indigenous
0: Black man. And for, because of today's episode, it's called Feast of Thieves. Uh, there's a reason why I am releasing it on the date that I am, because normally, growing up, people would call it Thanksgiving, but I can't take credit for this uh, for this title because I got it from my dad and my dad used to call <laughs> Thanksgiving, the Feast of Thieves. And we will go ahead and talk about just Thanksgiving, but also before that, I kind of wanted to ask you about the history and just culture of uh, your your tribe and your people. So yes. with the first question, I kind of, well, pretty much asked it, but can you tell us a little bit about your your tribe and its history and just kind of like, well, first of all, your tribe, your mm. uh, and your Native American name is yeah. the best way to or Gee, yeah, name that it?
1: sounds great, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, so my Native American name is Watching Wolf. Um, I have been renamed in my tribe twice. My original name, uh, at birth was White Wolf, and um, after usually a transitional period within one's life, uh, usually the chief will assess you and then we'll go ahead and give you <clears throat> a new name. Through a naming ceremony, so my uh, native current name is Watching Wolf, uh, which is one who observes before moving, a position of a position of leadership, and um, my tribe is the Massachusetts Native. Um, this was a older tribe before the pilgrims had landed. So this is, you know, we are, we ourselves are the Northern part of you took like where I, my hometown is and went up North from Boston. That is pretty much where my entirety of my tribe existed. Um, at that point, there was Narragansett, Wampanoag, Nipmuc, and everything else that kind of pretty much made up the entirety of Massachusetts, but, mm-hmm. uh, we were, we were the Northern Northeast hemisphere, if you would, of, uh, of Massachusetts.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so with that could you kind of explain like the spirituality system that, you're, uh, that your that you're tribe like believed in before Christianity came? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um so the one thing about
1: uh the massachusetts is that eventually when christianity was introduced we ended up changing most of our names to many of the villages that we have who called native praying indian villages these were villages that were given the bible um to uh, a gonkwin bible to which for us to go ahead and preach but beforehand uh we the Algonquin people the massachusetts people uh had a very uh, anime I- an- what is it what i'm looking for Indianism. Ammianism, which is like a type of more, think of it like a more of a natural belief in spirit in through Mm -hmm. everything. So like everything from your rock to your water, to your tree, to your sky, to your moon, to your wind, to your animal, your deer in the backyard, whatever it is. Every single one of them had a spirit that governed a certain thing, and that can go from anything from <clears throat> Yonahit, who was the uh, spirit of the sun, all the way to Nashapat, which was the um, spirit of the moon. And we all had names for all of that. So um, the one thing that my people celebrated was not so much of uh, uh, a ownership through land but ownership through usage and because of this usage it was give us this connection to these spirits and this is kind of what my people claimed on to before the uh the colonization of uh, massachusetts
0: mm. and i came across something uh which i think i talked to you about when we were playing xbox but it was a quote that said that and they attributed it to um uh, you know, white people, they just attribute it to Native Americans. Um, they didn't say where, it's just, it's like saying, African. it's like, which part? Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They attribute it to Native Americans, and they said that it—that um, the land isn't ours, it's borrowed from our children. Yes. Is that, does that kind of speak to, like, what you were saying is that it, like, the, it's not ownership, it's usage. It's because usage, exactly. Everyone cause... will eventually use it.
1: Mm-hmm. And w- exactly what you're saying is to our children and it's literally taking from the future type of deal and then giving homage and or uh, paying a tribute to what we are taking from it so nothing is taken for granted natives uh, for example just kind of give like a more broad example, if a tribe were to go ahead and send out a hunting party to go hunt a moose, a moose hunt didn't wasn't a day wasn't two days it was something that lasted about like 2 to 3 weeks and it had mm. its own it had its own ritual practice that they would do they would hunt it they would track it once they would track it they would make it run itself to an end of its time because at the end of the day you would want to exhaust the animal before you hunted it it was also a way to show the perseverance of the spirit of the creature that was being hunted so that it itself had its final journey on this earth before they shepherd it up to the great Manitu or the great god above to go ahead, the great spirit if you would, um, and descend its spirit forward. Then they would go ahead and hunt it, spend the time with the creature, pray of course over the over the body, as well as going ahead and taking the meat and everything else too, and then making the way back home. But every single thing on that moose was used for something. Everything from its sinew to its horns, to its hide, to its nose, and everything else in between. You really haven't lived until you have moose nose snoo. oh my god. Oh my god, it's so good. Moose moose, moose nose stew is okay. moose nose. Pretty damn good. A little chewy, but good.
0: <laughs> yeah, because just first of all, just hunting a moose is wild because they stand what six feet on average?
1: Uh way bigger. Uh, they're more like on like an almost on a nine nine foot scale. They're huge. But just just standing like if we're talking from the top, a full grown moose can sometimes go up to like ten feet from like antler or down. Like you could you could be standing, and if I I'm six feet, if I were to turn at a moose standing right next to me, I would only be looking right at about like midway up to its like actual like body. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 huge. They're not small animals at all.
0: Damn, and you said that they would run like they would run it so that it physically would just wouldn't be able to go any like anymore
1: yeah that was one tradition to some of the algonquin natives and whatnot especially ones towards like the white mountains or anything else that were up towards like maine like they would go ahead and when hunting a moose it was always a big hunting party that would go ahead and do it the moose would feed the tribe for a very long time and uh it was one of the ways of uh respecting the creature that was there even before you because again human beings were in the story of creation for a native which is i will explain more when we get to the whole christianization things uh, about of things but uh, the story of creation is that we as humans came last Mm -hmm. the animals became before us so we ourselves gave full respect to the creature that is alive on this world and that is how we go ahead and do it is shepherding it through tiring it itself and whatnot to eventually then kill it and eat it and everything else in between
0: i mean this i mean of course, there's credence to it because when you look at the evolutionary trees, like with Homo sapiens, it's like we are pretty much the last things to evolve, and then we just started figuring out about. I mean, when they go into the ocean, they're still finding shit out. It's just like, oh, this been this been here for about more than a million years. We just never yeah. knew anything about it. So it's just finding more and connecting more mm-hmm. with with uh, uh, with with nature. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So when you, uh, you said the great, uh, Minutu. Minutu, uh,
1: M-I-N-E-T-O-O.
0: Minutu. Two. Minutu. Two. Mm-hmm. two. Okay. So when you say that there was spirit in the rock and the moon, everything like that, would that classify as poly, uh, polytheism, or is it something more so it's just like, it's one spirit, but just separated into different manifestations.
1: Um, So I would say that it, it is... It's weird because to call it like to call it poly, like to go ahead and say that it's multiple, like a uh, multiple spirits, if you would, it does make sense. There is multiple spirits along with it. So what, what you just said is is correct. Um, but there is also the sense of it all stemming from one. Uh, for example, I'm just going to look at my uh, notes here because you know I am a human being. I do forget things. Mm-hmm. But um, when we sit there and talk about Ketan, uh, Ketan is the old god. The mm-hmm. old god was the original spirit that was originally went ahead and made the world that we have here. Um, this is what we call. Uh, it stems from also to an elder, which is uh, the kachisa which is the elder the old one one that has lived many years so these this person is where like all this stuff stems from and he put his spirit if you would into everything during the story of creation and uh, many native americans are going to have different ways of of telling the story of creation for them because i for example the role play server that i play on where which has a bunch of different native americans like so, so many people have done their research on it who and or are native americans and i hear the story of creation told three different ways and I myself know my way that was taught to me, but it's completely fucking different depending on you know, who you go ahead and talk to. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you are correct by saying that there is multiple gods or multiple spirits. There is one God. There is one great wigwam that we all go to when we die. That is, that is the place we go. You can consider that to be like a heaven, if you would. And that is where the one god, one god lies. But a lot of the gods or spirits, if we would, that we have in Native American culture is manifested in a very physical way. And mm-hmm. the natives believe that for sure. And uh, I, I can, I can peel into that a little bit more in the sense of tributes and whatnot, that, sorry, tributes and whatnot that we used to go ahead and do for uh, different rituals for, you know, for healing, for sickness, because at the end of the day, like we, we ourselves didn't have a crazy amount of medicine or whatever, but we had the spirit of Habamok. Habamok mm-hmm. was the spirit you prayed to because it was pretty much the equivalent of Loki. So think about like, it's the God of mischief, death, illness, and a loss of battle. So what we would do is that the way to communicate with habamak, at least for the Algonquin people in Maine, right, this is for example, they would find a great crevice and then leave, uh, throw pelts, throw wampum, throw all these different tributes into this crevice, and they would pray to go ahead and get the blessing so that they would not die in battle. They would not have their sick from the great plague of the 1600s and whatnot take their people's lives or take the warrior's lives. So this is all the mm-hmm. ways to go ahead and, and do and do stuff. What you know is people can sit there and look at it as a very primitive way of living, but it, at the time, Native Americans are still very much growing as a, as a people, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, if people wanna look at it as a primitive way of of worship, I would say to people is that you still go to church and eat a cracker and drink some juice and say that's the body and blood of Jesus. So yeah. how's that any, like, it's well, not what, it's really what, not what you're missing is a crevice
1: <laughs> find yourself a canyon man you're like, something else there.
0: throw the crackers and the juice in there and just say amen mm-hmm. um, no doubt <laughs> but the reason why I asked is because when you were explaining it, it kind of uh, through my own research I looked at with what was going on in Kemet so-called Egypt and they try to paint them as like a poly, uh, polytheistic Society, But when you actually look into it and um, learn about their spirituality system is that, yes, there were different gods, but they understood that all of those gods are just separations and manifestations of one thing. So they still believed in one God, but understood that I could go worship a tree because by definition, that tree is still God.
1: Yes, It's just a different
0: manifestation of it. That's why I asked if it's more uh, polytheistic or monotheistic because Mm. I think a lot of times it's that especially with Christianity and other Western uh, religions is that they always, uh, they try to paint it as one God and then everything else is like, but if God is in everything, then by definition, you should be able to go talk to a tree and you're talking to God.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Excuse my camera. Give me one second. Okay,
0: but yeah, so that was um, so I wanted to talk to you about that, and then um, the other thing that you also explained to me when we are uh, when we were talking is that uh, one of the alkalis of your tribe is that with the Bible. Could you go ahead and um, kind of talk about that?
1: Yeah, no, of course. Um, so when uh when, excuse my preference of uh, year, I should have gone ahead and wrote I wrote this stuff down. Um, but um, when the Massachusetts colonies were made, you know, we had the Plymouth plantation and everything else in between when Boston was colonized um, as well. The one thing that came, of course, over with, you know, white folk in in great amounts was not only their their lifestyle and and what they had bought over but also their religion their practices of every day-to-day life and that meant christianity as we all know the puritans were really big you know uh the pilgrims a lot and whatnot took a lot of a lot of that into into toll and christianity is what governed life at the end of the day if you weren't doing right by god you weren't doing right by life. Um, yeah. And a lot and a lot of people live that way. Everything from the Salem Witch Trials. Always I was about to say causation.
0: shout out to the <laughs> Salem
1: Witch Trials. <laughs> yeah, sorry for all those ladies that got hanged. It's fucked up, but. Um, or thrown uh, in the river. Or thrown in the river. I found out that, by the way, one of the fucking witches that were hanged was a black woman from Tomb- Tobago all the way in the islands. Yeah, dude, she was she was a slave that was bought over by one of the uh, by one of the preachers. And I assume you're not knowing the name, but one of the preachers and whatnot that was preaching uh, Christianity over in Salem. And she was a black woman and the white children that were there went ahead and did their whole shaking around, writhing around, trying to go ahead and get their scream for attention because that's pretty much what it all was, was all attention whoring, pretty much what yeah. the Salem witch trial, uh, Salem uh, witch debacle was. And one of the women's, women that was there was a black woman um, and who was hung as well. She spent the longest term in prison Throughout all the other witches. Uh, they She ended up spending the longest time and got hung uh, during the first trials. Blew my mind when I found that out. Nuts. Anyway, uh, getting back to how terrible Christianity it blew is. blew my uh, mind. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Um, so because um, that shit
0: was dumb as fuck because you know the thing about where they would throw him in the river. Yeah, yeah. That was, if you just objectively look at that, it was like, oh, if she sinks, she's not a witch. It was like, yeah. how, how long do you wait before you was like, oh, she i have. have been a witch
1: yeah it's so fucked up it's also blows my mind that the hometown that me and you are from william stoughton stoughton mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. man he literally was the cause of the hanging of more than about 10 to 13 women in salem and it wasn't until after the salem witch trials he fleed and whatnot and then went to stoughton set off as a farmer and then made the town and he That's literally motherfucking- could, <laughs> right? And we don't celebrate it in our town either. We don't celebrate it at all. Like, it's not even in our fucking goddamn, like, history, like, in you our, don't even in our know historical that. society. Yeah, we never fucking learned about it. And it's, it's crazy to me that we would never, as a town, capitalize in the sense of being, like, this is, like, uh, a great tourist attraction. Because, like, it's crazy to think about that this man had this life before he went ahead and made the town. But, like, there was literally a trial where one of the witches was set free. They did not find her guilty. And he pushed and pushed and pushed for a retrial. Got a retrial, and they hung her ridiculous fucking ridiculous but i can go all day about fucking stupid town shit um but let me go back to answer your question Um, yeah yeah (laughs) yeah be be glad um so uh to go back to answer your question when the bible came over a lot of the native american living um in the essence was looked at to be a very uh primitive way of living uh the, the pilgrims the the europeans coming over looking at native american life they seen it as something that was Um, that wasn't right because they understood the land of the, the, the whole thing of ownership, which is like, you have land, you cultivate this land. This is how you go ahead and make your home type of deal. And they themselves were slowly starting to move out and out, but before they could do anything, they had to meet with the natives. Mm -hmm. They had to talk things out and you know uh, Massasoit who I'll get to a little more about because he's a big part of the whole thanksgiving uh, whole excuse me the the the, the feast of thieves <laughs> um he is uh, he is uh, he is very much a big prominent piece of that his son on the other hand was not about that at all he he himself seen what the what the pilgrims were doing with the with the overall white folk that were coming in to do and he was like this is not right on any occasion so the bible itself was given to the algonquin people the massachusetts natives, um, given to them by a man named John St. Elliot. John St. Elliot was a preacher of the Bible who was extremely, um, he, he was, a, he, in, in essence, he was a good man. He didn't see the natives as savage people. He looked at mm-hmm. the people and he said, he looked at them and he said, you know, like, These are just another one of god's gifts in that sense so what we're going to go ahead and do is i want to go ahead and try to preach the bible so you know he started off in sagas he started off in like what would be like sagas nowadays or or uh he went to natick or he went to concord and he was trying to do his best to preach christianity but the the natives didn't know what they were what they were talking about but like he kept pointing to the sky and talking about god and whatnot and they kept him pointing to the sky too and then pointing to the trees and the river and trying to communicate that and he couldn't do it so what he did was he took the sagamores um, and to, to define a Sagamore or a Sachem, a Sachem is a what would be a chief for an Algonquin tribe. A okay. Sagamore would be a sub-chief. So imagine like you got you like a lead general and then a lieutenant, okay? okay. So um, you have the Sagamores and the Sachems who went to Boston with John St. Elliot, sat down and translated the King James Bible into Algonquin. So mm. one of the very first Bibles ever printed in the United States, was printed in a Native American language. Mm. And this was then given to John St. Elliot, which John St. Elliot went to all the different uh places: Natick, Wayland, Concord, Saugust, uh uh Framingham, and a, and I think two of the towns I'm missing a Stoughton and one other place, uh, where he took the Bible and went and preached Christianity to the natives, and that's what created the first Natick praying Indian villages. My people, where my ancestors come from are native praying Indians from those villages. Mm. And um, of course I can speak more about, you know, as, as time goes on, but I think that answers the question thoroughly of just like why, how Christianity got to where I am, how I know about it. Um, and um, overall how that affected um, in the long run, the aftermath of what would be the, uh, the Feast of Thieves, because all this ends up leading up to a massive conflict that ends up pretty much, defining the entirety of the United States. It is mm. one of the most slept on wars, one of the most slept on conflicts and we can get to that in a minute. But oh, but so it's... we about
0: to, we about to get it, we about to get into something. Yeah, we are about to get into. Because um cuz so yeah, I'll ask this one first. So mm-hmm. with the with them translating the Bible, like retro I guess like Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacking. It's like, do you think that that was necessarily a good thing that they translated so that it, was, it could be uh, readily disseminated out to um, your people and other, um, other tribes as well?
1: Absolutely not. It is not a good thing at all. Uh, if I could go back in time, I would erase Christianity from a Native American's life, period. Because at the end of the day, no Native American can ever be a Christian. And what I mean by that is that there is a duality uh, precedence that is set with Christianity as a whole, uh, which means that if you are not uh, A, innately white, B, um, you are not wearing slacks and shoes and a a button up or whatever the attire was back in the 1600s, 1700s, you were never going to be enough. You were never going to be, you were never, even if you would denounce your reservation and denounce your Native Americanhood and adopted a, a white wife and a white life or whatever the hell it was, you would still never be the Christian that the Lord in the Puritan and Pilgrimized would mm-hmm. ever be able to go ahead and see as a Christian. Because at the end of the day, being a native praying Indian, being a Christian native destroyed my people.
2: Mm.
1: I am a, I am a, I am a very slim remnant of what once was. If my people weren't Christian, we would definitely probably be a little bit more structured. We would have a lot more of ourselves there. Is that a possibility? Yeah. Would it be a reality? Probably not, because after the King Philip's War, it wasn't a good place to be a Native American at any point in Massachusetts, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was a gentleman. So uh, again, to answer your question, uh, no, I don't, I would, I would take that back. I would, I, would never, I would never have, if I could tell my ancestors not to go ahead and pick up that Bible and still believe in the ways of how they, how they lived their life, they would have been a better people. They would have been stayed more intact. History would have been told a lot more accurate than what it was. And our, our people's life and our story wouldn't have been so abruptly stopped.
0: And um, I guess in what ways has that? What ways did that uh, affect your your people? Because, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Like, in what like can you explain like in what ways that affected your people to for you to come to that uh, conclusion?
1: So I mean to, to I guess we would have to go back a little bit uh, further after after like uh, the feast of thieves. So let's say after after Thanksgiving, if you would. Mm-hmm. After Thanksgiving, we had yeah, we had the uh conversation um, with Metacomet, who was a Narragansett man, uh the, he's a southern Massachusetts. Uh, he saw what his father was doing, sitting down with these thieves, that they that this was wrong. This was not something that he wanted to go ahead and do. What he was seeing was that after uh the white man had come and said, Hey, like we want this land, like we want to be able to farm on this land, you taught us how to farm, you mm-hmm. taught us how to live in this harsh winters and everything else, too. We want to farm here. They themselves wrote up the documents, but the thing is, though, is that they knew the the Puritan, the white man, the Pilgrims. They sat there and looked at the fact that, like, we have the ownership over the land. This is now our land. But the Native Americans never had. Don't you? You there's 127 languages inside of the uh, in nations, recognized nations, and we all have languages. But there's not a word for the word "claim" in our languages. We don't have. You said one 127
0: of, languages I think, in, the, in the United uh, w- States. Well, yes. In, in the United okay. States, is
1: 127 uh, 127 nations, and there's about like recognized, like every single one of them had, of course, a language at some point. But then, you know, of course, through history, that ends up getting thrown away. But even then, now, like we don't have yeah. a word for claim, we don't claim anything. So again, uh, it is ownership through usage type of deal. Even with the farms there, there were Native Americans that would come onto the, you know, the lands of now what would be the own, owned by white folk, and they would be shoved off or shot or, or told that they couldn't go ahead and be here. And Massasoit, uh, who, uh, excuse me, Massasoit who thought this was fine, he let it go, but Metacomet, a.k.a. King Philip, if you would know him for his American name, uh, saw this as a grave issue. So he was not going to go ahead and sit idly by why, why any of this stuff happened. So overall, with with Metacomet thinking the fact that they were doing something wrong, he immediately was going to go to war. On the other hand, at that time, while he was getting ready to go to war with the Narragansett people, while he was going out to other Sagamores and other sachems to go ahead and get uh, influence and help like the Nipmuc and the Wampanoag, and he's trying to talk to all these different other Native American tribes to really get the fight going, um, Mm -hmm. the the overall Christianization of the Massachusetts native was already being done. So we already had our eight villages already in place. We were allies to the colon the, the colonists that went to war with the Narragansetts. We mm-hmm. didn't fight. We didn't fight with our people. Mm-hmm. We were we were we were people who assigned or went with the colonists because we were given a better life than they were. We were accepted into their manifold. We were given homes and a house and a village, a place to stay, a reservation, if you would. Yeah. without it being actually put on as a given the word of reservation, reservation.
0: not well not yet not yet yeah right yeah. uh so no, it, it was literally it was... just you can fight with us and keep whatever we give you or you can fight with them and the chips are up in the air and however yeah. they fall they fall
1: Exactly. So when it came to war times and everything else, the, the overall Massachusetts Native American or the native praying Indians at this time were grateful tools to the colonists because it gave them insight on not only Native American warfare, but it also gave them the uh, way of still being able to live and cultivate without having to ask their neighbors for help. So we we went to war and literally the last bullet shot in the King Phillips War was shot by a man named Joseph who was a Native praying Indian. He shot Metacomet in the back while he was running away through the swamp and ended the war. Uh, mm-hmm. he, was, he was the one who died. Um, after this was done, uh, it took not even about five years for the colonists to come together and pretty much say that no native american because at this point it was now war bands that were going back and forth trying to go ahead and keep the battle alive but they were just being snuffed out and snuffed out by every single colonist you know uh mm-hmm. a general that was pretty much uh, on site and eventually they they signed uh, some paperwork broke some treaties and um, said to the nidic praying indians that uh you are a native the native american living a very colonist life and that is not okay for you to go ahead and do uh because of the fact that we went to war with your people pretty much and they went to every single village they gathered them up put them in bounds and chains marched them from their villages all the way to boston bay put them on a ship sailed them out to deer island which is now a landfill um and uh put them there They told them they couldn't light fires, they couldn't fish, they couldn't hunt, and more than 600 of my people died.
0: I was about to say, they literally uh, sent them
1: there to die. They sent them there to die. 600 people died in the harsh of winter. This was in the middle of, they sent them there in October, if I'm correct, or November, and they were, by the time that John St. Elliot was able to go ahead and get a boat over there to go get them, after pleading with uh, with the church and everything else too, because pretty much it was the church that said, you have Christian savages over there? Nope get them out of there. They're done. So that was it. And they weren't people anymore. You know, they were already half people at that point, but they weren't people anymore. So they bought them over to the Island and they starved them all to death and they all died. By the time that met, by the time that John St. Elliot was able to go over there and get them, he was only 50 of us left. And he bought us back and we assimilated into what would be Boston or the general public. You returned back home to all the, the praying Indian villages, which you went ahead and had life at. And they were replaced with buildings and streets and white man's homes. Okay. I so, did not again at all. You would, and you would never learn that. Why? Because the overall Native American history is, which is, the, it's there, it's physically there. It's just that it's not built in our curriculum to tell that story at all because it's too painful. It's too real. Um and which is a damn shame uh, at shit, the end of the that, day but, that, um, that shit made me
0: mad holy shit yeah
1: it, i know i can imagine Fresh me try living it uh so and <laughs> when i when when i go to visit when i visited deer island for the first time i couldn't even stay there for more than about an hour without feeling just immense rage and i could it's almost like i could feel the pain of my ancestors before and the only thing that we have to remember us there is a it's literally a plaque explaining what deer island was beforehand and that is it there's no monument there's no honoring system. There's nothing of that sort. Like, it is just a landfill. That is all it is. It's a, it's a garbage processing plant that now white folk take to go ahead and walk their dogs and ride their bikes and just walk right past it like nothing ever happened. And it's a, it's a damn shame. But um, overall, Christianity itself uh, did nothing for the Nidic praying Indian in my eyes. Now, again, if my chief were to watch this, she would sit there and look at me and be like, Derek, you're an idiot. It's like you are a native praying Indian. You are a Christian native. You are the most connected native in the entirety of the world connected to God. You are, you are the epitome of what it is to be a spiritual connection to a otherworldly being. And all I can sit there and say, if I were to ever to meet God and look him in the eye is ask him why. Why, if you are supposed to be this, 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 this angelic presence, this, this thing that was supposed to be Just full of guidance, All good, all knowing, you- all powerful. Why would you go ahead and let all my people die? Why would you let the these people who think that they can live through their ignorance and just allow my people to go ahead and starve to death during winter? When we sat there and literally made them live in our land, we taught them how to live and they spit upon us and they continue to do so. So to answer your question completely, Christianity has never gone ahead and helped out any of my people. And I'm a firm believer of this. And uh, I am. Sc- I, I, when I sit there and people ask me what I am, I'm a Native praying Indian. Do I have a good relationship with God? No. Do I have a good relationship to my people? Yes. Because I myself celebrate my music. I celebrate our medicine. I go to our, uh, our lands, Contaguate Lake Park. I, we, we do our powwow every single year, the Harvest Moon powwow. I still celebrate what it means to be a Native. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I will demonize and always will the fact that we were given that fucking book. And it, su- it sucks it sucks. Sucks even more because none of it's acknowledged.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's and that's what sucks the most about it. But I hope that answers the question the best that I can.
0: Well, I was gonna ask if you are a Christian, but I now have my
1: you go, no, you you could go <laughs> ahead and ask. That's a, no, that's still a fair question. That's still a fair question.
0: Um uh, you- there are very few times that I'm left speechless, and especially in a fucking podcast, this is not good.
1: <laughs> You're gonna have some stuff to edit out, but to actually answer that question, I'm not that gonna edit though, this stuff.
0: No, we, we're gonna yeah. keep this one.
1: Uh, okay, heard. I mean, I do. I think of myself as a Christian. I would say no, because in the Christian's ways, I am not Christian. Mm-hmm. There we. When we did have a church, which was John St. Elliot's church over in Natick, uh, we are, we just got back after 357 years. That's uh, probably a little bit longer than that since, since then, we've been there for about four or five years. We just got the ability to go back and preach there. Like just restarted sermons back there. I want you to think. Who was, that.
0: Who was preaching there beforehand?
1: Some white folk. That was it. There was never, Native American never stepped foot in that church until around until 357 years after they were banned from it. And literally, you can go ahead and look on the plaques there and see the sachems before us that were preaching there. They were preaching Christianity to the native folk, and it stopped something like this, this, the early 1700s. And then it's literally not until like the 2000s that now my chief, Chief Hands, is able to go ahead and do it. And she's carrying on a lineage that came years beforehand because we weren't even allowed to preach in the church. We were allowed to preach in the church. Then we weren't allowed to preach in the church, only about the great oak that is outside the church. And mm-hmm. that was our place of preaching because it was the closest thing that we had to the great Minitu, the great spirit, great creator, mm-hmm. if you would. And uh, it is, uh, that is like where, where our lineage and, and hopes go for. So I sing music at my church because it is the only place that I can have a connectivity to my general populace of people because mm. you can't find a Massachusetts native realistically. You can't, they're so they're so assimilated, they're gone. But you can find if there people that are still celebrating as still a fraction of once once was, I have to hold on to that. I have to be able to be be the person that looks at my kids and say, you do have the ability to still Connect to your, Preach your culture and connect to your people. It yeah. is still there. Even if it's a you know, Christian base at the end of the day. And like again, I said, I'm not proud of that. Like I'm not a proud because I disagree with it, but I, yeah. I will never, I would never, I'll, we have a saying for my people. We, we celebrate history. I mean, we, excuse me, li- I lied. We celebrate memory mm. over history. Mm. Always. That's how our world is passed down as the word of mouth. I have to continue that lineage. If I don't, my people will die.
0: Mm. And when you say that, that that makes me think of something that uh, Brother Malcolm said, is that there is no religion, um, ideology, political uh, affiliation that will ever make me um, forget about the plight of my people. So even with, like, from what you're saying Uh-oh. is that, is that, even though you disagree with the religion is that you still see the plight of your people and you still see that as an avenue for connecting to your people. Um, so I have a question. Is there any possibility that you can become chief?
1: That's a really good question, Ashanti. That's a can really we, good question.
0: Can we, can we Game of Thrones this and do a power graph?
1: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I mean just red wetting that shit real quick all day. Um no, I
0: I'm in I Georgia don't... and there's <laughs> a lot of ammunition, I'll just say it. True, true that true that yeah. Then again, we're, we're I feel pickle. like if, I feel like if we do that, we're just like the white people.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, at that point we're just perpetuating history, right? Yeah, so yeah. um I will say, is is it possible for me to become chief? Yes. Would it ever come to me? Probably not. I only say that because my chief. Family, she has a lot of people that she can choose from. Mm -hmm. In my lifetime, I would probably never be chief. Would I ever be on council? Probably yes. Okay. We we ourselves right now, because of lack of documents, lack of proof, and everything else for the deletion of our people, uh, it is very difficult to prove our our federal recognition. So before we can even decide to even get to that point of having a full council. We would have to get federally recognized, and it is very difficult for a smaller tribe to go and get federally recognized because you need documentation, you need proof of lineage, you need all this other stuff too. We have proof of lineage. We have proven that we are state recognized, but from what I've been told from my higher ups so my, my uh, lead warrior of the, of the tribe, my chief and her daughters and everything else too, they are working towards that. So hopefully at the end of the, you know, by the end of the next 15 years, I can sit there and say that, like, we are fairly recognized as a native praying Indian, or we are federally recognized as a Massachusetts native. It's going to be one or the other, but um and the only time we will tell that. But to answer your question, uh would I, would I, would I ever be chiefdom? Probably not. Would I take it? Yes. I only say that because of the fact that I would change how we fucking approach this and it would be but it would be detrimental to the overall image of what it would be to a Native American. Indian so it probably wouldn't be the best <laughs> I
0: mean, but that's but that's the thing though is that it's from everything that you're saying and with the knowledge that you have in a type of critique of history of what you're looking at is that honestly I feel like that would probably be best or else like because I don't know how many of your people have the same type of uh, uh, commitment or type of veracity that you have to make sure that it keeps going on and you don't get assimilated into uh, this American culture so mm. because especially with something with something like that and it's like you people you need to preserve that because yeah. it because every time when I I'll say this is that when I do talk to people about like black issues and everything like that, and it's like how we were brought here and everything like that. I always make it a staple to make sure that we don't leave out our brothers and sisters that were um, that were here before us. Yeah, well, not well. I'll say that not even here before us, but here before we were brought here
1: mm-hmm. against our mm-hmm. will.
0: Because I think I told you about a book called uh, "They Came Before Columbus."
1: Yes. Yes, and
0: that that uh, talks about the African and the indigenous, the uh, North and South American uh, indigenous like connection that we had there. Because mm-hmm. before Christopher Columbus, that nigga uh, mm-hmm. came to <laughs> came to the islands, is that uh, I think it was either the Mali Empire or the Songhai Empire ended up sending seven hundred ships to um the americas because three went missing so that we've already shown that there was a connection between that and Mm. my thing is that when we're like when i'm talking to black people it's like we need to get our rights everything like that and it's like yes but uh you can never have justice on stolen land so until until the people that and not even necessarily owned but the people that were here before have a say in who stays and who goes it's like when we start when we want to start fighting about justice and everything like that it's just like okay it's like you're trying to get justice in a white system you're not trying to get justice in a universal system Mm. so um i just want people to who's listening to that understand that especially my black brothers and sisters is that like when we talk about liberation, we also have to talk about liberation of our indigenous brothers and sisters, because first of all, it's the right thing to do. If yeah. if that doesn't persuade you. Secondly, is that there's a pretty good likelihood that there's like some African ancestry that is tied also to them as like through you to them as well. It's like, so mm-hmm. if the morality thing doesn't persuade you then maybe the fact that that might be your 32nd cousin or something like that yeah 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 no
1: and i and i think it's important it's important to go ahead and recognize or even that's just acknowledge you know and i again i will never say that one's plight is more more egregious excuse me uh more egregious to uh, another person's plight because that's never that's never the case at the at the end of the day you're doing your best to you're you're, you're doing your best to to understand one's pain to grow together as as one you know not to say that every ethnicity and whatnot that we have is all together it's it's no it, it isn't it's a knowledge it's a knowledge thing i'm half black and I'm, i mean I'm, i would say that i'm, I'm Cape Verdean. so it's like that it was like a prison family pretty much for You're i'm black. black and yeah I was, we're black not, i'm black i'm native
0: america like, on both sides i want to say they're black but nigga, you black that's like yeah some, nigga, you black. yeah um uh, uh, what was it uh the fuck is that it's like saying martha's vineyard isn't a part of
1: massachusetts, massachusetts yeah no it's bullshit yeah so no i agree i'm <laughs> i'm black i i celebrate my native american culture but i myself am in indeed black and i think that at the end of the day both those plates need to go ahead and be recognized because the only way that we can go ahead and grow is by a communicating it b also making sure that we can rationalize with ourselves like our thoughts and processes to make sure that we can all understand that through our togetherness we can grow as one
0: mm. And that's something, when we bring that up is, that, is something I kind of want to talk to you about, is in terms of um, with the history of slavery in the United States, is that the role that Indigenous people did play in it, because through some of my readings is that I did find out that there were some, uh, there were some nations that uh, participated in it, and then there were others that uh, very much just fought against it however even with the ones that participated in it is that when you dig a little bit deeper there are some there are some that treated Africans like white people treated Africans and then there were some that had Africans as as slaves but Mm -hmm. it was a way of freedom because it's like on this land you are treated as a human being now when white people come through you might have to act the role of it so that they don't come snatch you. But yeah. it was like, this is where is like a safe haven. So I kind of wanted to ask your opinion if you knew some, like, a little bit about that.
1: I, I only know, because uh, I, I ha- my readings haven't taken me too far down the rabbit hole in the sense of uh, Native American tribes that, are, that have taken Black folk and treated them like as white folk did and you know, dehumanizing them, making them mm-hmm. feel lesser in that sense. Um, I think that there's a very unique um, concept of prisoner for a Native American. For example, if you were a war prisoner for a Native American, you were not, for at least an Algonquin person, you weren't really treated in the sense of a prisoner. Even if you were a prisoner, you were fed. You mm. were housed. Yes, you were watch the entire time, but you were not treated like you weren't a person that didn't cultivate the land that you were on. And I think that that's super important to go ahead and devise between, you know, a Native American keeping a Black folk as, as a slave and, instead of a Black folk as, uh, you know, just as a person within the tribe. Is it still bad because you're still calling them slaves? I mean, fuck yeah, of course, it's terrible at the end of the day. Does a Native American fully know the concept of what a slave is? No. Yeah. Because at the end Not of the day- described by
0: white people, what a
1: slave ex- Exactly. So, for example, even if I were to have a warrior that I would go ahead and capture, and bring them over, he either dies as a warrior or he's assimilated into the tribe. It's one or the other.
0: Now, when you say die it, as a warrior, what do you like? like if I were to
1: like, go to battle with you, you, you're dying on the battlefield. If I okay. capture you, you're either going to die as a warrior or you're going to come with me and you're going to leave okay. your life as a rest of the warrior underneath my banner okay. or, or whatever it is. It's not, there's no vice versa between that. So it's like, for me, it's, for me slavery is something that is learned. Because a native, de- don't get me wrong, it's some brutal shit that a Native, well, Native American tribes would do, like if you start traveling down further south and whatnot, or for example, if you started going further out to the west, for example, the Mohawk tribe, they had a uh in Algonquin they had a saying called uh Kadre Sukumo Sucomo which meant "We have come to drink your blood because the Mohawk were the most brutal of the Native Americans in the Algonquin nation due out west. They were so feared that the other different tribes would have to come together to fight Mohawk uh, insurrection, because literally they believed to a point of a cannibalism, where if I killed you as a warrior, I would eat your flesh and I'd be able to gain your spirit. So this is just one essence of, of brutality and how Native Americans did warfare. But then you go down further south, and then you start getting to the Apache or Comanche, and those guys are fucking goddamn the most brutal fucking Native warriors you would even think. They, they only bred warriors. They were a warring tribe. Like, I still think that to me, one of the craziest things I ever fucking read was uh, it was a treatment they used to do to their prisoners where they would go ahead and take a canoe and they would cut holes, four holes out of the canoe and lay you down in the canoe just put your arms and legs outside of the water and then feed you milk, uh, wheat, grain and anything that would pretty much make you shit. Mm-hmm. And they would put you on this canoe and they would send you all bucket naked out into the uh, lake and they leave you there for hours. You would shit, piss, and vomit all over yourself. Then they would pull you back, feed you again, put you back out there. Rinse and repeat until eventually the flies came, the maggots came, and you got eaten alive. It's fucked. Yeah. It's fucked. I will say, we are not, not, not about our brutality. Like any human being, we won't do have the capacity the Romans, to- do well. yeah, was- the Romans
0: did that as well. That was
1: Romans did that as well fucked up so i mean like, don't get me wrong we all have our fucked up stuff but we yeah. also learn these things from the outside source and native americans had an entire insurrection of people they had never met in their entire life and they bought two different types of people with them they bought the fucking the white folk of course and the black folk and what are you going to do when you sit there and see these white folk who are not only taking your land showing their power doing their thing you're going to adopt the practice I'm not going to sit there and, and make excuses for the inhumanity that comes with slavery, but you also have to recognize the fact that like how, this who, who is- Who the, did you learn it from? Who did you learn it from? This is a perspective thing. I Do I 100% blame white people? Probably like 85 to 90%, 10% in the sense of being the fact of five. like- I'll give them 95. 95. I say 95. But other than that, though, it is a learned thing. So uh, I have not, I to answer your question, I have not read it to a point of being able to be educated on the prospect to answer that to a completion. But I can agree with you in a certain sense that I definitely think it's something that is learned. And uh, we ourselves, being a Northern Native American Algonquin people, never had to go ahead and deal with slavery in any capacity because that was a Southern thing. So, yeah, well, well, for some
0: time, yeah, most of the time. I mean, it, it was a Northern thing as well because there was one was, time one time like the biggest plantation was actually in uh new york yes but...
1: yeah no you're, you're not wrong let me rephrase that we ourselves knew about it but we didn't practice it as okay. much as the rest of the other ones did but like in in essence yeah. uh slavery itself was not something in native american practice because we were too busy getting our asses kicked yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, sad, yeah, sad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I I know I've, I've told you this, but I want to put on record is that, so there was something that I came across and this is talking about the relationship between um, black people and indigenous people, because yes, some people that are listening right now it's just like, oh, well, they own slaves. Like, fuck them. It's like, no, 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 no. Because we also need to think about is that the, term buffalo soldier which people understand from a Bob Marley song he stopped singing that once he found out the actual history behind that term buffalo soldier the thing Mm. was is that the term buffalo soldier came from what they called black soldiers I forget what uh what era it was I think it might have been the 1800s I forget when when did when did white people start the manifest destiny moving um west
1: moving out west uh well we we're talking about yeah we're that's if, if, I was right. that's around like the 1800s but even then no that was before i think it was like early 17 if i'm correct uh late late 17 into the 1800s okay I and mean, then we have the civil war 60 years 60 plus years later after that if we're talking about the 1800s 64 uh years after that we had the beginning of like the civil war and all that jazz and you know at least the essence of uh emancipation proclamation all that garbage um yeah but no it, it is definitely the manifest destiny definitely started after the trail of tears after all that mess yeah so
0: because what they were doing at that time is that because when white people would go into those territories, they'd be shot on site, like off rip. Like if I see you, it's on site. Like we, <laughs> like it's just, it's just on site. But they what they found out is that with the black people that they were sending, they wouldn't shoot them on site. So what yeah. they started doing is they started deputizing, um, black people to go in and excuse my language but clear out the native people and an it was and it was because of the and it was because of the fact that it was like they wouldn't shoot them on site so it's just like we were doing the bidding of white people yeah like against people that we had more connection with than we actually knew but it was kind of going back to what you were saying this is is they were offering was like oh you get a plot of land you get you get this like it's um it's a concept called um uh, golden handcuffs do you, uh, have you heard that before i've
2: uh,
0: vaguely so the thing is is that if you're out of control what they do is that they put golden handcuffs on you so that like you're too busy looking at how shiny the handcuffs are to mm. figure out that you're being restrained that's some good
1: sh- Shit right there. I'm gonna utilize that shit, bro. I have ne- i like I'm sitting thinking about like I have never heard it defined like that. That's fucking fantastic. Wow.
0: Wow. So that's the that's the thing is that we don't we as a people, when we were being Buffalo soldiers, we weren't seeing that they were putting golden handcuffs on us. It's just like, yeah, you can still you can go out there, get everything, like clear out the native people, but under the guise of the United States, you are still in handcuffs. Yeah. You might get a little plot of land, but that
1: sounds exactly like uh, the essence of scalping. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the essence of what scalping was is, a tr- is one of those traditions that was introduced. Like some people sit there and say that Native Americans did scalping for the longest time. Some people sit there and say that it was something that was introduced because it was also a form of currency. People say that it was also given to us by the French, but even then we were told, you know, oh, there's a, warring, there's a tribe that you're at war with. They're over there. As a white man, we're going to pay you and give you land if you go ahead and give us 40 scalps from these people. I think it was $300 sent was, your way you got the scalps came back you were glorified for it and then uh three months later you were then moved out of that fucking place
0: i think it was what was it uh andrew jackson that's the president that did it it was uh the 17 fuck, uh 17 something god damn it hmm. i don't for those of no, listening no. i don't i don't have notes i just talk
1: uh <laughs> I, I hate you doing that man <laughs> <laughs>
0: this, this, 17 something um, scalping act, where they said it's just like for each scalp of a native that you brought back, you would get $300. So that kind of um, turbocharged people just going out and killing um, indigenous people because it's just like, wait, I can get $300 for just like for one scalp. I'm just like, why not do the whole track? Like, so that yeah. led to women, children, everything getting just massacred. Let's call it what it is like a fucking massacre. Yeah
1: yeah no it was 100% a fucking massacre I mean we could talk about a lot of the, a lot of fucking battles and whatnot that were just just straight murder like there was no disregard I mean we could sit there and we can jump back to the King Philip's War Uh, one of the biggest battles was uh the big swamp the great swamp battle Uh, in I think 1772 if I'm correct that might not be, be the right year but if I'm correct it's a great swamp battle um, at this point in time had gone ahead and they're the they were accustomed to swampland Swampland is great to travel during the winter because it's frozen, um, for those who have ever lived in Massachusetts. Um, when it's frozen, you can trek on it, but when it's not, it's extremely dangerous and also very hard to do it. You can't get horses through it, you can't get your feet through it, or whatever it is. So during the night of winter, um, the rest of the colonists had had their generals go ahead and start crossing the Great Swamp to go ahead and see if they could find uh, King Philip at his Narragansett uh, Fort. When they had came across the fort and they had seen it, They were so shocked at what they had seen because they had never thought in their life, in their life, that the Native Americans would be able to do what they do, but better. They literally built a European-style wooden fort from scratch that was more fortified, betterly made. It was overall one of the most impressive things that one of the generals had ever gone ahead and seen, except there was one giant hole on the left side. So in the night, they went, and they attacked the fort thing is though is that the natives as they believed, did it on purpose because they had a inkling that they were going to come and they funneled them all into one big spot what are you going to do when you put in one big spot you're going to f- come up with arrows and everything else in between so they attacked them all they were killing people in droves literally because of the fact of how the how colonists had fought the war back then they had they were more or less hiring mercenaries cutthroats co- cut cutthroats cut purses People who were criminals and whatnot in their front line to go ahead and fight the battles for the natives because what's worse than a fucking Indian going ahead and living on your land, you can go ahead and hire any goddamn gun to go ahead and do it. And like literally they were so unconditioned that there was reports that you can read that literally they were sh- the, the European, the, not the Europeans, but the uh, colonists that were there were shooting their own people in the back of the head because they were so not conditioned to battle. They were literally in line, like they you know, how they yeah, do lines like the, and things. They yeah, they literally the second line was shooting the first line and were killing them. Bullets blown through the fucking head and everything else, too. And then you have all the cut, those, fire, you know,
0: throws.
1: Friendly fire. Right? Friendly fire, right? Turn that shit off, man. <laughs> like so uh these motherfuckers were killing each other, and then eventually they got into there, but then they they burnt the they eventually lit fire to the fort. It wasn't even that the warriors were there, there was maybe about they say about a hundred Narragansett warriors. Mm. There's about 400 children and kids and they burnt and killed and raped, and murdered every single one of them. They all died. It, it was a massacre. It wasn't even a battle. It was a massacre. They, they, the Narragansett fought them the best that they could. They burnt mm-hmm. the fort down. They burnt the food down and everything else. too. And Literally, it is if you, could, if you ever re- get the chance to read anything about these things, it, the, the accounts of some of the generals that were there, like had, what the shit that they had gone ahead and seen, hearing the screams of children and women that were inside the fucking uh, wigwams and teepees or oh, the wigwams of the, of the place of the buildings and everything else too. When they burnt down the food, they literally, the general was like, why would you burn down the food? We could utilize that stuff. They, they weren't bringing soldiers into the battle. They bought criminals. They bought the sickest people ever to fight in those battles. Well, we they need didn't...
0: That. we I'm sorry.
1: No, go ahead. No, this is pretty much what I'm getting at. It's an essence of battle. The at the end of the day, it's it's crazy to think that these natives and whatnot were able to go ahead and do something so much like the European folk almost do it better. And but the essence of brutality of the lack of care for people, the perseverance of people, of innocence, of anything is absent. It's just absent. And it was sad.
0: And I think people need to understand is that, especially with the story that you just told, is that the people that they were hiring, the mercenaries, the criminals and things like that, is that when Britain started col- uh, colonizing the Americas, it was supposed to be another Australia. And mm-hmm. if, you know this, if you know the history of Australia, is that they're not. in... <laughs> In, uh, in Britain, their jails were getting just overrun. So when they found, oh, it's this new land with these savages, it's like, let's just move our problem to them and let them do what it's like. That's exactly what it was. It's like people think yep. like the pilgrims are a small subsection of people that came to the United States and they try to paint it as everyone. It's just like, the thing is, is that Majority of people that came to the colonies were fucking criminals. Mm -hmm. The first people that came here were criminals because their jails were overrun. It was like, so let's not get that. Like, first of all, you have a nation that is built on stolen land that was run by criminals. It's like like, let's let's put history in its proper context. It's like people want to talk about oh. And I'm going to sidebar this whole situation, uh, this whole session for a second, is that what people don't understand, George Washington had a breeding farm of slaves. I'll say that again, a breeding farm. They He bred Africans like he was breeding cattle. Yeah. And you want to talk about him being this great man and everything like that. i like, oh, it was like. So let's just get that one off the table and out of like, because we need to understand the context so that when we're talking about the Feast of Thieves, know exactly who we are talking about. And I kind of want to segue into that because you were talking about Massasoit and how that led into uh, Thanksgiving. Um, So first of all, I kind of want to just what they tell us in school.
1: How much of that shit you- is true? I mean, t- to a, to a certain T, it is true. Pilgrims didn't know how to go ahead and cultivate any type of crop on winter soil inside of Massachusetts. They were starving to death. They were taught how to fish, but that was, a little, that was pretty much the essence of what they were taught for going ahead and harvesting food. But they didn't know how to grow anything. Nothing grew. Um, so what the natives did, they taught them how to grow maize and how to grow corn. Um, and to grow crops because they were already well accustomed to it. The Algonquin people had already been going ahead and living off of that land for hundreds of years at this point. Uh, And to not to discredit anything from like Leek Ferrickson or anything else like that, like we made contact with the fucking way up north and whatnot with those guys and traded food with them and all that stuff too. Like we understood the essence of teaching others how to live, um, the outsider that was or the different people coming in. We taught them how to go ahead and cultivate things. And as a thank you, if you would, they wanted to go ahead and sit down and have dinner around a table and invited the Narragansett people who were very kind to the people at the Plymouth plantation um, to sit down at the table and share a meal. And that's where, you know, you got your turkey, what not because it's very abundant during the time it was brought, brought, the turkeys were bought by the natives and everything else to the corn, and everything else. Too, and that's when they're able to literally the celebration of Thanksgiving is to give thanks to the native people for saying thank you for, uh, for, A, allowing us to live here, but also to be thankful for allowing, uh, for not even allowing, but to for the information given for us to cultivate life. And then not even five years later, go ahead and decimate the entirety of the population. So uh, the thing is, is that realistically, there is truth to the fact of, yes, the Native Americans taught the people and everything else on top of that as well. Overall, that was Massasoit. He was a grand Sachem of the Narragansett people. Um, He he was a Grand Squaw Sachem, which means he was a great chief of okay. the Narragansett people, okay. and uh, this meant that he had the ability to have much say over much of the stuff that went over for Narragansett people. He even had much say over the Wampanoag people, and even some of their sachems. Um, and even at that time, they 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 went and they sat down. They had they had Thanksgiving, and it went the way that it was. The reason why it's appropriate to call it Thanksgiving is because everything changed after that. It's like I feel like we're fucking listening to Avatar, and then the Fire Nation attack Yeah.
0: <laughs> um.
1: So we.
0: Uh, funny, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. yeah not, not in contact don't make light of a situation but like at the end of the day yeah, Massasoit Massasoit sat down he taught the people and he had he had a reassurance a healthy reassurance that the pilgrims because they gave him a place to live that they were just going to live there That it wasn't going to go anywhere else masses uh excuse me metacomet uh or uh this if you would is uh Massasoit's son uh one of his many sons um had uh, was very uh, more of a radical native he's seen the insurgence of the colonists to be a bad thing so uh eventually um Massasoit died um his uh sons and whatnot died as well um one thing that a lot of people don't talk about uh is the uh plague that spread as soon as the colonists landed uh the sixteen hundreds from like literally i think it was like sixteen twenty eight to like sixteen fifty there was something around like they say like six hundred and forty thousand Native American deaths, all throughout up and up and down Virginia and all the way up to, uh, Maine, just massacred because they could their immune systems weren't ready for dirty rat-filled European folk. Well, so uh,
0: General Amherst.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So really? they died. Uh, they died by died in droves. Um, and uh. At that point, Massus, one of Mass, I think it's two of Massasoit's sons died of the plague, and one of them died of the plague, one of them died in battle. Uh, and then uh Metacomet came into power, and he said that this enough was enough. He had seen how the colonists were treating the land. They seen that they were doing through your ownership they see that they were just backstabbing the native americans back and forth back and forth by taking land solely and solely, whatever have you and then violence was going to occur so then what uh what he did was there was supposed to be a great meeting of sagamores and sachems over in boston but he never showed and that was supposed to go ahead and sign peace treaties to go ahead and do some other stuff well what he did was he went ahead and decided to attack everything so he attacked i think it was um i think it was saugus or from I'm correct, there's one other town that's uh, during, through the south in Rhode Island. Um, he ended up attacking some, uh, some of the towns inside there and burning them. And then he fled up north uh, towards uh, where would be the Nipmuc Nation or central Massachusetts. And he begged the Nipmuc Nation to go ahead and help him with these these battles. He even went further down uh, down south into the east to go ahead and ask his other neighbors. His other neighbors wouldn't go ahead and fight, but the Nipmuc would. So then he started to get these war bands together and then he decided to go ahead and fight. This is what would be the, be the beginning of the King Philip's war. Uh, This is the war that he went ahead and and helmed, Um, and he fought that war for a great amount of years through guerrilla tactics and Native American warfare Um, and, and was in for a minute there was kicking their ass like literally to the point where they were thinking about we should just go like we should leave the only safe place right now is Plymouth Plantation because of the fact that they had the deal with the Narragansettus and a few other places like we are on the hand of getting attacked we're losing things, we're losing people, we're losing warriors and then mm-hmm. eventually they banded together and decided that fuck all that noise, we're going to go ahead and get them so the, uh, the Thanksgiving the is what I would call the greatest distraction from the King Philip's War
2: mm-hmm. it's, a
1: great, it's the greatest because like people won't talk about that because they'd rather go ahead and celebrate the good times along with things instead of what occurred after that um, yeah. thieves giving I think is a great way to go ahead and say it because at the end of the day of it's just like yeah feast of thieves if you would or thieves giving whatever have you right whatever the word is whatever the word is right, right. but the fee- but the right. but the feast of thieves overall though you know we're gonna call the podcast what it is right so the feast of thieves maybe is, I'll put it,
0: that is. in parentheses
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go um but like in in essence it is it is a great distraction from once what is the overall issue which is you were never thankful for the things that we gave you. You took it for granted. Yeah. And you rolled with it until you agree, couldn't go ahead and help you anymore. And then you just continue to go ahead and roll with it. And you steamrolled an entire culture. Um, and uh, that's pretty much what these giving to me. It's, do I find it difficult to celebrate? No, because at the end of the day, it is still commemorating what could be, what could have been it, there's also a way to be thankful for still being able to celebrate my people. Celebrate these things. Every time we get together, and it's all my people inside of my my nana, like right now where I'm where I am. I'm at my nana's house. My my uh the ex-grand squash HM before she died. Um, when we all get together and we hold hands and it's all 12 of her children and all of them all sitting together, and we're all as a big family, and we go to go ahead and say what we're thankful for. I'm one of the second to last people that always goes ahead and speaks because I'm a firm believer that we I'm one of the only people that sits here and thanks, thanks the ancestors beforehand, thanks someone like like metacomet and everything else too, who fought for the perseverance of people who, who fought for these things and to give honor to these people who came before us and in essence being thankful for sacrifice being thankful for for that but even then you know that, that still doesn't go without a very disheartening aspect of things so i sitting here holding my daughter's hand and ask her what she's thankful but she has no fucking idea what the hell came before her and mm-hmm. i have to and i had to be the one to reaffirm and she'll never learn that in school and she question her professors in the time she will and everything else in between and yeah. even then I still gotta go ahead and think about it but in essence though that's what Thanksgiving is uh is to myself and how it got there to what we to what we got that's what the Thanksgiving is all about um in that sense for what, how America goes ahead and does it um do we celebrate it every year in my household yes but we don't go ahead and define it in the way that you would think that every American household is which is to have awkward family dinner and then eventually scream at each other at the end of the night after you don't have enough
0: pie and especially if you you're what you have that one racist uncle that
1: says, yeah, exactly. Like,
0: you want to talk? You want to think about colors?
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jimmy, come on, it's 2021. Come on, fuck. Jamal is right there, wait until he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal's like,
0: <laughs> now, I'm, I'm I'm interested now, yeah. Let's say, uh, like, come
1: on, crack up, go ahead, throw it at me, brother. Come on, let's go. go on, let's, get let, let's
0: see, let's see what you got. Uh, <laughs> no but um you said something that i kind of want to expound upon is that when you said that like you're sitting there with your with your daughters and they have no idea is that the the stuff that you know did you learn that from your parents or well like your mom or was that something that you had to find out on your own or did she bring you to like I guess, meetings or things like that, like within your within your tribe to find out like stuff about?
1: No, uh, if I had to be 100% honest with you, uh, the one thing that I've always had a big issue with is the overall education portion of the story of my people and the story of the overall Algonquin people within inside of my tribe. I am 28 years old and I didn't find out about Massasoit or Metacomet or any of these people or anything else like that until I outsourced the information myself. And I may recommend to anyone in any capacity it's a fantastic book that breaks down the algonquin presence all the way from the 1600s all the way to past the king Philip's war and it's called uh nanuk that's n-i-n-i-n-n-o-u-c-k it's called the people it's algonquin nanuk is algonquin for the people and that book does such a great job of of uh, elaborating on all the things that is the algonquin nature i had to outsource this stuff myself a lot the music my pe- the people some of the history that is taught to me through my chief and everything else on top of that as well but a lot of my information that i have i had to outsource and i was told to outsource by my chief she didn't want to share the story when she was like you need to discover it yourself which i have to say i do appreciate that she did do that but at the exact same time we're not also celebrating what it means to be like a full native american culture where you pass down the story to me like i shouldn't have to read a book for that but at the end of the day i was able to go ahead and gain my own perspective so I, again it gives me a more more unique staple but still not the best way to approach it so I do my best to teach my kids every day a little bit something about my people every single day so
0: okay so I guess kind of what I'd ask that is that from your um from your mom it's like what are the, some of the things that you did learn
1: I learned about my music I learned about being a native Canadian being a Christian I learned about Deer Island um mm-hmm. I learned about the tragedies I learned a lot about that Um, learn about the pain and that was I think the biggest poison for myself was learning about the pain but not the reason how we got the pain like it's just like you got fucked up and but we're not going to tell you how you got fucked
0: up or what Um, or what led to it
1: well yeah what led to a type of deal so um what I learned from my mom was mostly the the preservation of culture Mm. and not letting it die and I think that that was the best thing she could have taught me at the time
0: for sure Mm. okay yeah because um definitely with with, that, with those sort of, sort of things is that it's, and I'll say that definitely from, well, I'm not gonna say from a Black perspective because I'm talking to my fellow, my fellow brother, but <laughs> growing, uh, with how I grew up is that my dad and my mother, um, more specifically my dad, is that he did not shy away from the trauma that we had as a people but with every trauma that he introduced to us he also showed us as like how we overcame not yeah kind of overcame or just like balanced it out it was just like yes us as a people we had to deal with this but we come from these people so it's just mm. like he put and i appreciate him immensely for it is that he put African people in their correct uh, correct historical context. Because when you look at slavery, it was uh, about 256 years, then 100 years after that, and we're still dealing with it now. So about 400 years, but having the history of your people, knowing that as Africans, we date back before there was anything called a white person. Before there was even a thing of a white person, it's like so when you look at those 400 years, it's just like it's not nothing, but it's not the entire thing
1: yeah, exactly so
0: I think that's really good that you're looking into it because the thing is it's like from especially with like with your people is that like before before white people got here,
1: hmm. there was a history before that yes and it's and it's kind of well documented
0: kind of yes and like it's about no understanding that is that it's like our our story does not begin and end when white people discovered us um yeah
1: 100 percent
0: and especially and that's something that i also wanted to um ask you about is that with like you said a lot of the uh a lot of the things in terms of you said that it's the memory is not history is so Mm. it's kind of an oral tradition so how is that being preserved or are there things being written down and because I think sometimes when people think about it for someone that does a surface level type of interaction they Mm. think that like oh it's all oral so like they don't like I think some people don't understand that uh indigenous people had a written language
1: yeah we all we all did it was we all did uh i would say that the, because we didn't write things down along with it everything was verbally done i mean it's mostly white folk that care enough to give a damn about the preservation of our people that have gone ahead and wrote have uh, gone ahead and done the research and archaeological digs or whatever have you that have gone ahead and proved certain things like the, that grave, is what the grave
0: robin our, our like, yeah, archaeology yeah. Is, a, I mean, like, is a nice like I, mean, I want to say it in a off. good way. Yeah.
1: Like what, I want to sugarcoat a little bit, but like, yeah, yay no, and nay. That's so what it's it like,
0: like. It is. It I, is. And if it's I a... dig up George Washington right now, they would say it's grave robbing. But if I say it's an archaeological dig, <laughs>
1: you just simplify that so hard but you know it's i can't say that you're wrong so but no i mean like in essence yes so like don't get me wrong like you know when i read things it, about like um a lot of it's a lot of the history for native americans they see algonquin massachusetts is usually done through uh visual documentation through the white folk um so like uh roger williams you mm-hmm. might know him through the roger williams zoo he was somebody that went ahead and and documented his uh interaction with all the Algonquin people very avidly. So like a lot of the stuff that you would go ahead and read, like the book Manok, like it's from his stuff too, and as well as some other different uh, people who have more of a sympathization or you know, a sympathy to the Native American people and their conflict and their plight and everything else too. So uh, again, that is where you would find your documentation for at least my people, um, where a lot of it is just outward interest towards the inward, which is the Native American culture. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah i mean in the sense you can call a grave robin for sure cuz i mean that would be able to tell you like where they were where they weren't weren't type of deal um but uh yeah no that's um that's pretty much where it ends like for 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 me i i've done the research i've done my best to go ahead and educate myself as much as i can on the native populace period and what the and what we have what we have here to further understand myself and my culture but most of that is done through the observation of other people's eyes uh, and most of that being well, people who are white or european from other places or whatever have you
0: hmm.
1: i just i wouldn't i wouldn't oh. go ahead yeah i know isn't that fucked up
0: yeah it's yeah
1: it's, it's yeah <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's definitely it's boned it's fucking boned uh because like at the end of the day you you could ask me you could ask in the thing in this news you, you say before you said before uh about you know In the sense of what your dad was telling you is that, you know, you you yourself have been preserved through time, you know where you came from, you know how you got there, and everything else in between. We didn't get that chance. Mm
0: -hmm. When you
1: delete home, when you delete language, when you delete culture, there's nothing left. I only know my Algonquin speech because of what's in that book. What I've got, I had an outsourced from my chief. That's it. That's a Massachusetts language. That's not Narragansett language or Wampanoag language or anything else. But like the Wampanoag got federal recognition because it took Massachusetts language. We can't prove that it's just our language
2: because hmm. we
1: don't have any documentation. We don't have anything to do with it. Native Americans are lost people, and forgotten people, and they're only forgotten because of the fact that there was a mission to Dude. drive. Yeah. want a desire to do so and they knew it too they knew it they knew it they knew what they they knew what they were getting themselves into uh so yeah
0: and that's and that's kind of when i when i kind of look at it is that so the i guess one of the good things is that as as black people we've had scholars that have been able to dive through and unfortunately it's it's kind of similar to what you were talking about it's like what white people have said and like when they came to uh, when they came to Africa at that time because when they came in they burned everything but they wrote down I guess that's maybe the only good thing about the arrogance of white people is that they write everything down because they think that it's like, oh, I'm just going to write it down and it's just going to be fact forever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess maybe maybe that's one of the good things about the arrogance of white people. So like they write it down and we've had scholars that have dug through and have done that. And I guess one of the things that I want to, if, if I can help you with is that, to start cultivating some of those scholars to do the same for especially for for your tribe, but also like uh, like around like across the Americas because this is something that has to be preserved because it has to, it has to
1: or it will die it, 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 will, it will die and because I'm,
0: when I think about it there's one group of people that I always think about, and it's um the Tasmanian people that lived off the coast of uh, Australia.
2: Hmm.
0: Today, there's no living Tasmanian person because once those criminals from Britain got there, they sh- started shooting them. Uh, and they they said that they would shoot them like they were shooting kangaroos. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, I think it was the 1800s where it was like the last documented of like the Tas, like uh, a tasmanian person that was alive and that person died and that was the last person so it's just like not making sure that a group of people are not wiped off the uh, the face of the earth yeah not because sure they they're cocaine. already doing it with animals yeah. they're already extinct like to extinct an entire race of people is beyond immoral
1: Ah. you're not wrong wrong. and i mean like and i hate to sit there and say that like you know in some essence like they succeeded you know like i mean there's no there is no um there is no tribe that i think has completely been wiped off the face of the planet at least that i know of but there's a lot of tribes that don't have a language anymore there's a lot of tribes that don't like have any of that stuff like they i can name maybe about three to four tribes that might still have all the language still intact navajo lakota um, Sioux, um, mm-hmm. which is like usually like a branch off of Lakota, uh, kind of the Jersey,
0: kind of the big Jersey. ones, the big ones yeah, that, yeah, the, big, the
1: bigger nation, the bigger nations where they got their reservations, they got the ability to go ahead and live there, they,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: they got their casinos, yeah, yeah, they got some of the casinos, but even then, it's all owned by big white folk and MGM and all that garbage. So, it's you know, like uh, Indian what do what
0: they call the five five dollar Indians? Like, yeah, 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 Indiana.
1: exactly. It's on that bullshit. So, it's like, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's it, it it's just it's a da- it's a damn shame, and I mean, it's just. It's inhumane. Uh, humanity lost, it's humans lost their humanity back during no. that time, I'm, and even before that.
0: And the thing is that I, I will push back on that because it's not humans lost their humanity. A certain group of people lost their humanity.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay all right. I because
0: I've, I, can... I am very adamant about when we talk about human nature, People want to talk about, like, oh, it's human nature to not trust your neighbor. It's human nature to be ruthless and everything like that. And it's just like, who told you that that's human nature? Who are the leading people that tell you that it's human nature that that is like the case? Is it people that look like you or is it people that don't look like you that are finding a way to justify how they treat you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because when you look at, because I, I took a a class in undergrad about uh, psych, I think it was social psychology. Hmm. Scientists understand that the first, like the precursor to humans lived in a social system, lived in a social environment. So you're telling me that from that to where we are now is that we lost that socialization Between each other? No, we we didn't. It's just it is a system that we have set up. It is a system that has been set up that perpetuates people not actually socializing with each other. Right. For and if we want to go back to if we want to go back to animals, for the niggas that have the fruits at the top of the tree, that the top of the tree having all the fruits, and it's just like y'all niggas can try to fight and try to get up to the branches, but just so you know, we rigged some of the branches. Yeah. So that's why I kind of push back when we say, it's like, it's human nature, it's people that like, it's just what we do. It was like, no, because I can point to multiple civilizations where as a social system, that was not the case. And I'm pretty sure that you can point to, um, well, I can point to multiple African, civilizations where that's not the case i'm pretty sure that you can point to um yeah uh, i think civilizations and, and nations in the americas where that was not the case
1: yeah i will say that maybe that's just my uh my general um uh disposition for my lack of uh my lack of uh faith in humanity so maybe that was me speaking in that sense but i can agree with you completely on that no that makes that makes 10 times more sense and in that sense i could go ahead and think of many native american cultures that would raise them raise each other up be with the community, do trade and everything else too. Like I said, the only really like big violent tribe and whatnot, like other uh, being the Mohawk. Like many of the tribes had good relations and warred only every once in a while. But most of that was always done because
0: of. What about the Apache? Were they were, were they cray-cray? Yeah, yeah. Well, I put, I people put, that are listening, they can't see you. Not, but. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but I mean, like at the end of the day, yes, yeah. Here, vocal nod. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it is. It is. Um.
0: Let's get an F in the chat for nod. F.
1: <laughs> yeah, comment, comment some F, please. Pay your respects. Uh, X to doubt. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I gonna, I, I, will, I will retract that thought process because definitely, for sure, he, there's definitely parts where humanity, especially with nations and communities, I would definitely look out for one another instead of just trying to destroy one another. On top of that, as well. So it's just, I, I think it's in human nature to not. I think it's in human nature to not to celebrate, to not celebrate indifference. It's just a part of our thing. Like if you are, if you are different from us, we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna look at you in a different way. I think every human kind of has that boiled into them, yeah. except for a few, you know? But again, um, I don't want to get too sidetracked with fucking humanity. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, with you, the
0: Feast of Thieves, we, it, like, it does talk about humanity because of the fact that it's like, how can you, it's the way how, oh, tie it all together. Is that I cannot remember the name of the bird right now, but it is a it is a bird that it lays its eggs in another bird's nest and it just it lays its eggs in another bird 's nest and just leaves it and then the birds that whose nest it actually is when it hatches is that it um, it takes care of that chick as if it's his own and they yeah, yeah. keep feeding it not knowing that it's not one of their own and then after a while because of the demand of the food is that it starts competing with the other chicks and sometimes they them little motherfuckers will just snap like the other necks of the of the chicks but the thing is is that it's not until the thing is full grown that it realizes like oh this is not what I thought I was raising. And now it pushes the other children out. And then the parents eventually have to leave because like, we can't feed this thing anymore. From what you were saying to me is that it kind of seems like it's analogous to what was going on with the pilgrims. It's like, we're gonna help and feed these people because we see them as human beings. But as soon as they got enough strength and everything like that, they push people out of the nest
1: cryptic cryptic <laughs> shit yeah. that was a- no straight up <laughs> straight, straight up no that's exactly this is exactly what it is it's cultivating the care of and the want for perseverance of an entirety of a people and then using your greed and malice of growth and want and desire to cultivate your own people and then you end up where you are so no you're right totally right i agree with you completely
0: and Something that you said that I kind of wanted to talk about is that uh, because I remember that you were you were telling me this again. We have a lot of talks on Xbox that like sometimes we might just one of these days I might just record it without you knowing. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Consent, get that shit out. Of here.
0: <laughs> but you were saying is that because I was telling you about how I did the ancestry.com thing, and you were telling me is that like even if you did it is that because of the p- genetic pool that they have that it's like it's hard for them to pull from can you um could you kind of yep. talk about well, that of course
1: uh i have done ancestry.com and uh one two is it one two three me or something or 20 23 20, and me or some shit like that I've done two different 23 23 and pools. me 23andMe, there you go i've done two different data pools that are website ones and i've done one blood test um at a lab over at tufts university in boston and um when you get the test results back because of the fact that they're data pool that you don't they don't have a data pool for Massachusetts natives They don't have a data pool for any of these uh, groupings of people because they don't exist there's no pure blood of these people existing so there's no data pool to physically be able to take from. Uh, I got back you know Jewish African uh, uh, um, I got back uh, Irish got back um, Scandinavian Norwegian. Um, I got back some things that I never thought I ever was. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, well, not one of these things say that I'm a native American period. Mm-hmm. Not one. Now, if I were to be a Cherokee or a Navajo or anything else like that, that's different. They have data pools for this. They have the, the physical data to go ahead and give you an accuracy. The only one that really gave me anything was the one that was the blood sample data at Tufts University, because I actually was able to go ahead and grab multiple different Native Americans and do the same different tests. And then we were all able to find out that we're all from the same branch. We're all from the same lineage, if you would, like the blood samples were, the DNA was the same. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is, it is for, for a Native American like myself, those websites should do me no, no justice, period um it's just it's, un- it's just unfortunate it's unfortunate because again like like we said you, you destroy an entire culture you can't find the culture anymore it's impossible to do so um i mean shit even even just trying to go ahead and prove our statehood like my nana and her or my great smart saint jim and her three daughters had to go on an eight-month pilgrimage uh, up and down from virginia all the way up to boston uh tracing back death records because that's what they kept Mm. They kept death records. Damn. They didn't keep anything else. They literally went on the saddest time jump never to occur. And I, shit, we learned a lot. I mean, I found out that I was related to the guy that created Kodak cameras. He invented Kodak cameras. I ain't see shit of that. I ain't seen none of that money. Yo, but, let's, uh, get but, them, uh, let's get them royalties up. <laughs> right? So, uh, But it, 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 is, it is one of those things where uh, where it's just you can't you can't get the information out there, and I'm grateful enough to know that my family was able to go ahead and do something like that. And uh, but even then, you know, if you want to talk about greed, be getting greed. You know, something that we learn. I mean, shit, we could have gone up ahead and had our federal recognition probably by now if it wasn't for the fact that the Nitmuk Nation, uh, we we ourselves were related to some Nitmuk Nation people, and the Nitmuk Nation was like, we need more Native Americans to to get federally recognized. And half of my family, my nana's children, our twelve children. Half of them went and signed with the Nipmuc. The other mm-hmm. half signed with the Nidic Pering Indians.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want to talk about it? You want to talk about birthday parties being awkward as shit? Literally, it was like one month where everybody was there hanging out together to nobody being at your fucking party because one uncle hated the other uncle or auntie hated the other auntie because what sounds better than having, you know, kids going to college for free? The possibility of getting a casino. golden hill Ham- reservation.
0: Golden handcuffs. golden handcuffs
1: yep and that's exactly what happened it's unfortunate we learn thing it's greed and oh boy do we learn it
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i am trying to end this on a bright note i don't know how, I, how... it's kind of it's kind of hard
1: to you really don't have to though because i mean at the end of the day ashanti the one thing that i will always excuse me pharaoh the one thing that i will always understand is that through great pain is the only way that we can reconcile with the past. Through understanding that and acknowledging the fact that it has existed is the only way that we can grow. And I'm a firm believer in that. So speaking about this keeps my story alive. Speaking about this keeps my story my ancestors alive. And if I can continue to do that, I will do that every time. I will leave every conversation on a fucking negative note. You know what? How about this? Do you want to leave it on a positive note? Whenever you're ready, I'll sing you a Native American song. Maybe we can go ahead and go from there. I will sing in my people's tongue. All right? I'll preserve it that way.
0: Okay. And I will say this is from what you said is that from some of the the readings that I have, uh, well, that I've done is that within the committing spirituality system is that they say that people experience three types of deaths it's the physical the mental and the spiritual and physical we all know what that's like uh-huh. the spiritual that is if you have not lived like a just life like your spirit nigga you ain't coming back
2: mm-hmm.
0: but the mm-hmm. mental though the mental death is that you live on within the memories of the, those that care about you. Every time that you speak someone's name, you invoke their spirit. Every time you speak the ancestors, you invoke their spirit. So the thing is that the mental death is the hardest one to kill as long as someone knows your name or knows your story. So what you're, what you're talking right now is that you are keeping, you are, you're keeping the grim reaper at bay from your ancestors because you're telling their story and you're keeping it there and you're, you're keeping it within the zeitgeist you're keeping it within and you're going to pass it down to your daughters so oh. I will i will end on that and then i will let you take it away my brother of
1: course um, the song I'm going to go ahead and sing real quick is uh, it's called the uh, Veteran Song. We're usually singing at the um, at the beginning of our powwows after the Flag Song. So what I'll do is I'll sing one push of the Flag Song as we to go ahead and commemorate the ones who have come before and the ones who are still going to come now. And the Veteran Song is of course to the warriors and the wounded warriors that are still living today and are uh, that died for our uh, our people to and fro and back and forth. Uh, these, the flag song is kind of a universal, uh, what they call it, intertribal, which is um, a song that is sung through, uh, can be sung by many different tribes. But the, the veteran song was written by my chief, which is written into our people's tongue. And it commemorates all the wars, all the battles, all the, th- all the things that people have died for in our past. That goes for not only just the native people, but just overall what has gone and allowed us to, be, to persevere and, so to, and continue to tell our story. So, um, I will start with the flag song and move right into the veteran song. Um, <clears throat>
2: let's
1: see. I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm getting all emotional. Just give me a second. Hold on. That's give like me a, a second. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure.
0: No pressure.
1: <laughs> No pressure, you just got to sing. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm forgetting how the damn song is. I'm going to sing the veteran song first and the flag song. I'm going to go opposite, okay? <laughs> All right, okay. so. It's
2: okay. Nina namuk wa na Little witch, ahe aheo, neje nekamiu, nu janku i kwe tu meus, o ahe no wanauti e, o ahe no wanauti e, ahe dear island, ahe aheo. Metakameya heyo, 1812 heya heyo, Little Big Horn heya Wounded knee heya World War One heya World War II heya Korea heya we is no may desert storm may eh, eh, oh. Operation freedom way away ayo! oh way away ay oh way away ay way away hey oh,
1: God, that's a guilty pleasure. If I've been able to sing Native American music since the fucking pandemic. Jesus.
0: Well I'm glad that I was able to give you an opportunity to do so, my brother.
1: No, thank you for my thank you for allowing me to get my medicine. I appreciate that, my friend. You yeah, the flag song ready or yeah, the flag song. I'm trying to my brain's like farting right now. That's what happens when you fucking have a phone call at 121 a.m. Right. Um so uh it's a, it's it's fine if you don't. Hold on, I'm trying to try to think of it now. Hold on. I mean, this it's it's on my tip of my tongue. Got it.
2: We haya, ho way oh way, oh 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 Way way high, way, 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 Thank you for that, my brother.
1: No, thank you. Thank you. And I, I, I appreciate this conversation more than you know,
0: <laughs> brother. Uh, I, I love being able to be educated, and I love being able to just connect with people. And every so, every time that we have a conversation, we, we, we connect on a different level. <laughs>
1: Always, dude. Always. Um.
0: I want to go ahead and give you an opportunity to plug anything that's going on. Um, If people are, if people are curious to learn more about your, uh, your tribe, and also personally, what, what you're going what you have going on so
1: yeah of course of course um shameless plug shameless plug here we go uh so uh for those again uh who have listened want to i just want to say personally thank you uh for listening to the story i hope that um a lot of you came in here with open minds open open thoughts to go ahead and really try to just understand a perspective so i just want to say thank you so much for your patience thank you so much for understanding um my name is derek from the top derek mountain this is where you can find me um, on twitch because i stream avidly just about once every day on twitch dot, uh, twitch.tv I also upload frequently to YouTube as well. And you can also find me on Twitter or any other place pretty much of social media aspect. Instagram as well. You're back on
0: Instagram.
1: And I'm back on Instagram as well. That would be on a top Derek Mountain on Instagram as well. You can find me anywhere on those social medias. Um, A top Derek
0: Mountain. A top Derek Mountain.
1: A-T-O-P, no space, Derek no space mountain. All right. And you can fi- all spell that. So feel free to find me on there um, where, again, I do my best to create content, put smiles on people's faces and, and do my best to educate. I am also a role player on a server called Wild RP, where I get a chance to go ahead and play not only indigenous folk, but also a bunch of other different uh, people and characters and tell some fantastic stories with some other fantastic people. So if this sounds like anything that would ever interest you, uh, please come and join me. Come hang out, leave comments, leave, leave the love, leave support. If not, let me know, critique because i'm a man of critique i take it real well subscribe <laughs> subscribe and, it's, and subscribe damn it <laughs> but my but that that is what i'm all about what i have planned in the future um i do have some covers that i'll be doing because i'm a giant flipping weeb so i got a bunch of anime covers that are gonna be coming out soon uh, a little bit more some singing some voice acting stuff on top of that as well i'm trying to do my best to broaden my horizons and hope to god that the rest of you guys will be along with the journey
0: Thank you, thank you. And then if people want to learn more about um, your tribe, where where should they go? And if they Uh, want to support anything.
1: I would say if they want to go ahead and support anything, um, we don't really do much charitable stuff for ourselves because we're more of an into I guess honestly, Native Americans are very prideful in that sense. Uh, but we don't really have any charity charitable aspects. If they really do want to learn anything, I really couldn't recommend a better book other than the Nook the People. Um, I wish I had the book on me right now, so I'd be able to tell you the author, but um Nook the People, it is absolutely fantastic. You should definitely go ahead and give it a read. And um if you Can want you to spell it out and- again, please. Yeah, of course. Um N I. N-N-O-U-C-K, that is Nanook, the people. Um, and uh, you can go ahead and find that on Amazon or you can find that in possibly, at your local library and um, read that up or feel free to go onto the Nidic Prang Indian website, um, which you can just go, type in Nidic Prang Indian and be able to read more about the people and the plight of. And if you have not, uh, if you would like to learn more, I, there's a YouTube channel I will recommend. His name is Aten Shea. He is a historian. Uh, who is a hobbyist historian as well from the Boston what was that A Ten
0: Shea?
1: A ten Shea A-T-E-N-S-H-E-I. He is somebody who has done his best to document the King Philip's war as well as the Great Swamp Battle. Two of the things that I went ahead and talked about today. If you want to go ahead and give that a gander, please do. It's a great way to go ahead and learn more about the story of my people.
0: Well, I want to go ahead and say thank you, thank you, and thank you for coming on again. Because you're because you're a repeat offender now. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lack me up with them
0: golden handcuffs sucker. Let's go. (laughs) Even though that my first episode was with my father that I released, my actual first episode that I ever recorded was with you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I want to go ahead and say thank you because even through just this, you have taught me a lot of things in terms of first of all, your people. And just how to be a presence on on camera. So I want to say thank you because in in, in teaching, you will learn and learning, you will teach. So I want to go ahead and say thank you again, my brother. And Mm -hmm. for everyone else, that has been another episode of Tomb Talks with the Pharaoh. And I will see you guys next week.